Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marchessault fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marchessault. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace Millard, Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... A little bit of a cheer to start things off with the woo from Chris Chapman as we uh, turn our attention over to Game 6. And it's not where the Vegas Golden Knights uh, want to be going into Montreal, facing a must-win situation and facing an elimination for the second time in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we'll try to repeat uh, what uh, Montreal did in a similar sense and rally in a series and have to win a Game 7 to advance. And let me put it to, to you this way, right off the bat, All right. We've got Montreal in the first round against the Toronto Maple Leafs. In that series, it was 3-1 for Toronto. Chris Chapman and Ryan Wallace, hands on the buzzer. What would you consider to be more likely? Montreal coming back from that deficit or the Vegas Golden Knights rallying from being down three games to two against Montreal in the third round? Beep. Oh, good. Ryan, I would say uh, yeah. Chatman wasn't paying attention. No, I no. was looking for. Um, I, I, was, I thought I had a buzzer drop, and I was looking for it, but I but I don't. So his. So this is the. <laughs> before we get into the actual answer, and this is this isn't me carving carving him. I don't. I know that I still have a couple more days of my moratorium hey, and not making fun of him, but uh, but Chapman's imaginary buzzer just malfunctioned. Yeah, that's I, basically what happened. I thought I had. The time is nigh. I thought I had one, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. So the imaginary so buzzer just, screwed up. Hold I'll just on. play Eric so you're Carlson. Just playing drops. You're just you're just playing random drops to yeah. see which one may or may not be. A no, buzzer. may okay. not be the buzzer. Um, yeah. The the more likely outcome that I would say is, hey, the Golden Knights. They've won two games in a row plenty of times. They just came off a series where they won four straight against the Colorado Avalanche. It is well within my realm of possibility that the Golden Knights can win the next two games against the Montreal Canadiens. That would be a scenario I think is likely, more likely than Montreal winning three straight against the Toronto Maple Leafs at a time in the series where Toronto was playing well. So if Montreal can do that, can win three straight Mm -hmm. against the Toronto Maple Leafs and pull off one of the big upsets and then eventually win seven straight games, uh, two wins in a row, for the team with the most wins in the National Hockey League, I got people, I know it's going to be a challenge, but I'm I'm looking at this as not the doom and gloom uh, that I heard last night and the disappointment that I heard a lot last night. When you get a chance to reflect on it, I mean, the idea of Vegas playing three wobbly games in a row is an outlier, and they've done it twice. So time to tighten the screws on the uh, on the front wheel. And, uh, and get this thing back uh, running in the right direction. The other part of it is, and this is my stat of the day, Ryan. I'm, mm. I'm really excited okay. about this one. Vegas okay. has to win game six and then game seven to advance. Really? But, yes. but 
Pete DeBoer, <laughs> in his career in the National Hockey League, is the only coach to win six straight Game 7s. He's 6-0, and undefeated in Game 7s, including Game 7 against the Minnesota Wild. Pete DeBoer, with that perfect Game 7 record intact, leads me to believe this isn't you have to win two games. You just win tomorrow night, and then we just cruise through Game 7. That's my stat of the day. Tomorrow night's a two-for-one. We got a BOGO. We got a BOGO and Stanley Cup semifinal wins tomorrow night. How's um, that for positivity? I, I think that's incredibly positive. Yeah. Uh, well done, Darren. Thank you. Um, you still got to play game seven. So uh, as much as I love Pete DeBoer's, um, as much as I love his record in a game seven, I I think you just got to get there first, right? Like uh, for the Golden Knights, I, I do look at game six a little bit differently, knowing how well Vegas has played in game sevens, knowing what Pete DeBoer's record is. I, I like their chances in a, a winner-take-all type of setting in that game. But you can't get there until you get there. And for that, the Golden Knights have to go into Montreal tomorrow night and play their best game of the series. And they're going to have to be opportunistic. They're going to have to score you know, early, and I would say often. And they've got to make tomorrow night a no-doubter. In my opinion, if you want to kind of roll those good vibes of Game 7 and what the Golden Knights and what Pete DeBoer has been able to do, I think you have to turn Game 6 into a no-doubter. Should we start off the show, because we've already gone down this positive road, should we start off our number one with a little bit of uh, uh, good vibes, some, some, some just maybe a bit of a distraction uh, from, from the reality that is uh, have to win the next two games to keep the, the season alive. What, what do you think? Yeah, let's go for it. I could give you something positive. Oh, no. Pete DeBoer, I can think of an occasion where he was down 3-2 to two in a series, went on the road, won game six, and then won game seven at home. I think that's a good thing. That's a, that's a positive thing. I was more thinking about just stepping into the world of Robin Leonard, who did one of the <laughs> coolest things that uh, that I've witnessed, and and we know he loves his social media. So Robin on the uh, on the flight today with the Wi-Fi, logs onto the old Twitter, and says, uh, "Hey, uh, I'm I'm bored on the plane. Hit me up." Mm-hmm. And and people started just firing back at Robin Leonard random questions. Like it was it was yep. a beautiful exchange, and you, you can yep. also tell the exact point when Robin must have fallen asleep on the plane. Because then the then the chat just stopped. But it was it was awesome. And there were some cool questions coming back. And so let's let's go through this a, a little bit. Uh, do you want to do you want to alternate these questions and answers, or do you just want uh, run through it? I had a favorite that okay. I saw. So I have a favorite too. Um, do we want to go with our favorites, and then we can just roll through the rest of them? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. So this is the question: Patrick Waugh or Martin Brodeur? Robin Leonard, Hashik, champion. There, there it is. Dominic Hashik, best that's, there ever was. That's pretty good. That one, that Beautiful. one surprised me too. As he, as he went off the map uh, a little bit. Chapman, what was your favorite uh, Q and A with Robin Leonard today through Twitter on the team playing going to Montreal? Well, I like how H Stair asked him, if not hockey, what sport would you have wanted to play professionally? Robin Leonard replied, 
if the Raiders need one of those big guys blocking people, I'm here for them. And the Raiders replied with eyeballs. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be great. It's got some kind of uh, crossover promotion, doesn't it? A little uh, nightlife episode. Yeah, yeah. Where where Robin Leonard goes out and uh, maybe plays a little tight end. I'm thinking tight end. Blocking tight end. Get up and down the field a little bit. I don't know. I don't know because a lot of the tight ends today are are a little bit different than they were when I was growing up. But I think I think he could be one of those mobile guards who sometimes pulls and, and swings wide the block for the running back when they're running a sweep. I have a hard time picturing a National Hockey League goaltender as a guard. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know he's a big guy, but I just I just can't I can't get my head around that. Uh, which goalie currently playing in the NHL would you want to go toe to toe with? Oh, this Great is answer good. here, <laughs> David Ayers. Who's David Ayers? David Ayers was the Toronto Maple Leaf Zamboni driver who is also the emergency backup goaltender uh, at Maple Leaf Games at uh, Scotiabank Arena, who was called into action uh, by the Carolina Hurricanes and went in and locked down a victory against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, episode number 1,224 of uh, Life and the Hockey Gods Treating the Toronto Maple Leafs Poorly. Uh, and David Ayers won that game for the Carolina Hurricanes, the Zamboni driver. And the Carolina Hurricanes responded with, uh, the panda respects the goat in David Ayer. And, and the fact that uh, it was a Caps fan asking the question makes it even better. <laughs> so so we've yeah, got the, the Raiders involved. Uh, we've got uh, yeah. other National Hockey League teams involved. It was, this was a fun afternoon. So then we let's get the Montreal Canadiens involved because I think this might have been one of the best answers of the day from Robin Leonard. Uh, because when you think that you are insulting an athlete, usually they come back with something better, and this was the case. Habs critical, re- replied Robin Leonard. How does it feel sitting on the bench? Question mark, question mark, question mark. And Robin Leonard replies, great seat to my favorite game, smiley face. And let's not forget the use of the smiley face is is really, really well done in this in this application. And And a Habs fan tagged on to that with great answer to a stupid question. So <laughs> it, it actually, what, what happened there was fracturing the Hab fan base. So that was, uh, that was even, uh, even better. Um, number one, please, wants to know, what is your favorite building to play in that doesn't involve a team that you've played for? Robin Leonard's answer, Montreal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. So there is a there is a, a bit of trolling happening by uh, by Panda today. He answered something that I think yeah. you you may like, Darren. He was asked about his favorite Oreos or chips, and he replied, "Ruffles all dressed," which I believe mm-hmm. is a Canadian thing. Uh, Ruffles all dressed is uh, is awesome. Uh, I don't know whether it's a Canadian thing or not, but it should be worldwide. Uh, I would uh, I would like that. Uh, who's your favorite teammate on the island? They were all good, but Uncle Leo was special. Leo Komarov somehow is still playing. Every time I see him out there, uh, Tampa Bay and the New York Islanders uh, getting set to go in, in Game 6 of that series. The Islanders trying to stay alive and uh, enforce a Game 7 on that one. Uh, thoughts on the Leafs? And he says they need to get Freddie signed. So he, now he's offering player personnel mm-hmm. uh, yep. advice. And yep. I don't think... 
I don't think that's tampering. I think if management talks about things like that, it's tampering. <laughs> but my first thought was, hmm, that's, that's interesting. Uh, they need to get Freddie Anderson signed. And the and, uh, response to it was, how about you come to Toronto? <laughs> well, people forget. People forget he was a he Maple was Leaf. Uh, yes. very, very briefly, as uh, as the Chicago Blackhawks uh, traded Robin Leonard to Toronto, and then Toronto traded him to Vegas as part of uh, uh, watering down the, the salary at the trade deadline and making sure that uh, that, that transaction uh, would be able to go, go through. So here's one, and it centers around food, so this is right up Chris Chapman's alley. Oh, yeah. Harley Carberry. So, favorite food while in Montreal, poutine, smoked meat, or bagels? Robin Leonard, poutine, there it is. So I've never been to Montreal. Are they known for their bagels? Yes. Really? Oh, I have to get there now. I mean, I love poutine already, but you throw poutine and bagels at me? Wow. So the bagels just won you right over. No, no, not in the same meal, but I mean, I'm a... Big, big bagel guy. I love bagels. So huh. if, if they have good bagels in Montreal, I'm finding my way there at some point. Robin, favorite moment of the NHL career? Oh, this was good. <laughs> Robin responds, game one, Colorado series. <laughs> it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, favorite restaurant in Vegas, Hell's Kitchen. Best shooter you've ever faced, 88 My silence there. Um, what do you? What do you? I mean, I'm assuming he's talking about Patrick Kane, right? Yeah, yeah. But I just I guess uh, I, 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 I would guess I, because he was I, my. I immediately went to uh, to Eric Lindros actually when I first saw that, and, yeah. and then had to do the adjustment. But then when when I uh, when there was silence on the back end of this uh, I, of that question, I thought. What, what did I miss? <laughs> no, nothing. Just, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's Patrick Kane. Like, I, I don't, it, I mean, I'm not going to argue with Robin Leonard as to who's the best shooter, but I would imagine, like, Ovechkin should be there, right? Like, Ovechkin, mm-hmm. Matthews, like, those are the guys that I think of as the, the best shot. And um, But, again, you know, I'm not going to argue with Robin Leonard. Well, this will make our in-game studio producer, Bobby Machado, very happy because he is a big, big heavy metal fan. So is Robin Leonard. He is a big Iron Maiden fan, has Iron Maiden on his phone that he listens to, apparently, when he's traveling, I would assume. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. And Mike Does McKenna it? chimed in that he's a big fan as well. Uh, he was asked about uh, what uh, Cole Caulfield had to say. And and uh, I thought that was uh, an interesting response because uh, initially somebody said, "Did you did you hear what or what did you think about what uh, Nick Suzuki said?" And he went, uh, I, "I don't know what did he say." And then they corrected it and, and said Cole Caulfield and um, and Cole Caulfield had said yesterday, "It's a good thing that he's thinking about me." Talking about the scouting report comment, I'll use it the next game. It's good that he uh, that he talks that way because now I know what he's thinking. And he'll uh, create uh, new things. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. That uh, Robert Leonard says, "Good to know. Thanks." Uh, so there's he's being informed, and which kind of surprised me because we know how much he follows Twitter. I thought he would have already saw that, but apparently uh, he didn't. So there's some there's some uh, just a, a glimpse inside of what happens on the plane as the players uh, embark on a road trip and travel. In this case, to Montreal for Game Six 
against the Montreal Canadiens. The Vegas Golden Knights have to uh, win and stay alive. While we're on the subject of goaltending, why don't we why don't we just offer our thoughts on what the Golden Knights will do for Game Six? Um, Pete DeBoer will have some of his comments uh, from media availability in in the next little bit, but. Uh, what do you expect them to roll out for Game 6 tomorrow night, Ryan? Okay, so this is with the obvious caveat that I have no idea, right? Like, right. We, we have come to the understanding that whatever decision we think is going to be made, it is usually the opposite. Like, I kind of looked at Game 5 as an opportunity to put Robin Leonard right back in there because he played so well in Game 4. Pete DeBoer went with Marc-Andre Fleury. Once again, and I'll shout it from the rooftops, goaltending is not the reason the Golden Knights lost last night, and goaltending is not the reason the Golden Knights are down in this series. That all being said, I think you have an opportunity to just go into a game with confidence in both guys, and you have an ability to change something. I would go with Robin Leonard tomorrow. He's coming off an excellent performance. He's won in Bell Center I think you go back to Robin Leonard. You have him go out there and see if he can do again what he did in Game 4, and that's give you spectacular goaltending and set the foundation to steal Game 6 and bring this back home for a Game 7. Well, that was set up so well. Let's play Pete DeBoer's comment today when he was asked about the goaltending going into Game 6. We've got confidence in both guys. Um I have decided. I'm just not letting you guys know. And uh, you know, I, I think to be honest with you, it's not a it's not a tough decision because I think I think either guy could come out and give us a win. Both guys have played really well all year, uh, but we've got to pick one. He has decided. He's not telling us. That's not a surprise. Uh, no. That's consistent, and that's not playing games with the media either. That's that's been consistent all year. Uh, where he hasn't discussed the goaltending, but are we going to do this dance every morning? My feet are sore. Come on, that shut it down. <laughs> uh, that shut it down uh, at the start of the season. Robin Leonard and that performance. If you can get something like that again, then you're you're gold. But we might be in a case where there's a bit of a rotation now, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see that as being necessarily a bad thing for the Golden Knights. Uh, we we talked about this season. We talked about the rotation and how well it worked for not just Robin Leonard, but Marc-Andre Fleury and how both guys were kind of able to, to be in a rhythm and, and feeling good about their game every single time they started. And I don't necessarily think that's the that's a bad thing considering – the travel that you're going to be putting on the body should you come back for a game seven in in a four or five day span. So I I don't I don't dislike the idea of a rotation um, right now unless you, you get a situation where Robin Leonard or Mark Andre Fleury whoever plays game six if they pitch a shutout and they're brilliant and excellent and and there's there's a no doubt you cannot go away from this guy then I think the rotation's your next best bet. And with the cross-continent travel, uh, you're you're yeah. flipping back and forth. Uh, you're not there for a couple of days. Uh, you're you're one and you're gone. Uh, that adds to the the travel and the fatigue or or any perceived uh, uh, 
sharpness or lack of sharpness uh, in 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 the athlete. So uh, that's uh, that's intriguing. I, I think it's a it's it this whole conversation though isn't a bad thing because it's it takes away a bit of the attention from the obvious, and that's that they're just having trouble scoring goals again. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's interesting that the the focus tends to be on goaltending when goaltending isn't the problem, but mm-hmm. I, I think that it's easier to focus on something that is a perceived issue as opposed to really hammering in on what the actual issue is. And for the Golden Knights, you've got just 3 goals from your forwards in in 5 games, Mark Stone without a point in this series. Um and, you know, the fact of the matter is the Montreal Canadiens, they're finding ways to to score goals in key moments. And the Golden Knights are, are unable to to get those same goals. They're unable to convert on the power play. And those are the things that need to change for the Golden Knights going into game six, not necessarily who's between the pipes. You know, uh, there's a, a lot of discussion about the officiating uh, going into game five last night. And it didn't didn't play a role. Uh, in the result at all, and hopefully everybody can just back up uh, off of that uh, and and just watch the hockey and enjoy, and enjoy the hockey. But I will say that uh, the officiating did uh, impact or influence the Golden Knights and to a, a negative standard. And here's my take on it. That mm-hmm. early power play that Vegas got, and mm-hmm. that was in the first 10 minutes, uh, of the game, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. That wasn't a good thing. And why wasn't a good thing? Well, you haven't scored in the power play in the series. You haven't scored since early on in the in the Colorado series. Uh, the the crowd gets excited about the potential to score. It a- amplifies the pressure and the environment and the anxiety. The players are already anxious about their power play, and they feel it, and they're frustrated uh, about their power play. And then you get, before you even get a couple of shifts in, I think the, the stone line had had uh, two shifts at that point, and then we're out on, on the power play. It just it wasn't the, you, you can't pick and choose when you get a power play, but uh, if, if you had your druthers, you probably would have rather had that power play much later into the first period where you had a few more touches, a few more opportunities to get uh, into the flow of the game. And, and when you, because when you don't score on that power play, Ryan, all that angst that was there at the start of the man advantage uh, fills up like a, like a, a hot air balloon and starts taking over the entire building and you're, you're more on edge and you could feel it. Yeah. I, I, I watch you. You could, you, yourself could feel what was happening when they didn't score on that man advantage early in the game. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I look at the first five minutes of that game, and I didn't think the Golden Knights played poorly in that first five minutes. Like, the, the narrative about not having the legs, the, the just not really having the energy, I don't think that that is, is necessarily true for how the Golden Knights opened up the game. I do think they had some jump in their step until you got to that man advantage. And for the Golden Knights, what you saw in that moment was a team whose frustrations boiled over. And then on the flip side, for the Montreal Canadiens, they were a team that just grew in confidence, right? Because they had a strong kill, they were able to alleviate pressure, and then they were kind of able to get to their game and their identity. And from that point forward, it was the Montreal Canadiens kind of taking over the game. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think the turning point in Game 5 beyond goals, beyond anything like that. It was 
the early power play for the Golden Knights and not really converting and and not getting the looks I think that they wanted to get. If it's a power play where you've got three, four, five different looks, maybe it's a little bit different, but that wasn't the case for the Golden Knights last night. No, it wasn't until late in the power play that they had a couple of chances, Uh, but and, and you you never want to get to a point where, and it's fun, it's uh, tongue-in-cheek, and uh, the, the decline the power play and just go five on five. But uh, you, you'll always take the man advantage. The, the problem here was yeah. you didn't get a chance to get yourself into the game before there was some kind of perceived uh, shortcoming in the game. And because uh, the power play has been so much of a talking point uh, going into this one that everybody in the building, along with the players, uh, were, were feeling that. So I, I, not that not that it was the overwhelming uh, takeaway from, from the game. Uh, there was 55 minutes left in, in the game and certainly more chances. But it's, it, it just created a little bit of angst where there didn't need to be angst. And, uh, and for that, I blame the officials. Uh, uh, flat hardly. <laughs> <laughs> well, if if you ever wanted to know uh, what a well officiated game looks like, it was last night. Of course, a lot of Montreal Canadian fans. Yeah, they were very very pleased with how the game was officiated last night. I would like this series to end so I can go back on television and uh, and and uh, just uh, <laughs> do my thing without being lambasted uh, every every time that I uh, I do something. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come you're, back, you're... go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say your replies to getting lambasted though are are, are top notch. When yeah. people ask you how can you go on this television network and say that the officiating has been fair and balanced, you say, well, I I you know I learned how to do Zoom. It's really easy. Yeah, I, I've gotten TV. used to it. Well done. Good job. I, yeah. I like yeah, good uh, job poke, by you. I like uh, I do two things usually when people do stuff like that. Uh, and if you do it, if they if they continue to, uh, to harass me, I'll mute them. Uh, but <laughs> I don't block anybody anymore because uh, that just got me into more trouble too. Uh, but what I try and like their tweets, and then I uh, they have some fun with them. And then if they go over the line, you're done. I'm not too worried about poking the bear. See you later. When we continue, we're going to change things up a little bit. Uh, usually we have one-timers in hour number two. We're going to put one-timers in hour number one because Kevin Weeks from the NHL Network is uh, scheduled to stop by, uh, hoping to catch up with uh, Weeksy and discuss a little bit about what's going on with the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning, as well as game six uh, between Montreal and Vegas. It's the VGK Insider Show, live from Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios here in the Las Vegas Valley. On to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the BGK Insider Show. Here we go. Let's get at it. Uh, Lou Lamorell of the New York Islanders. Big game six tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning at the old barn and Nassau County Coliseum. Uh, Lou Lamorello will take the momentum of being named the Jim Gregory General Manager of the Year winner uh, for the second straight season. Uh, unprecedented that uh, that somebody's won this uh, two straight years. General Manager uh, comes out, and they didn't have the greatest of regular seasons, but they did, and this is the one award of all the uh, awards that we talked about, the Selkie and the Vesna and the Hart, the one award where uh, voting is 
doesn't take place until into the Stanley Cup playoffs. They allow for a round and a half, uh, two rounds uh, to be completed before they uh, declare a winner. So Lou Lamorello, uh, based on the trade deadline acquisitions and what he did, and then the subsequent performance of his team in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, outdistances uh, a couple of his uh, uh, colleagues that are had very good years themselves uh, to win this award. So the only question that I have is why the second round of the playoffs like how much does the landscape change if you wait until the stanley cup final to vote on this award like if lou lamarillo was ousted like if the islanders are ousted and, and montreal moves on or vice versa like do you think that that would have an impact on the voting if you just prolonged it by one round i think it just uh, it would skew the vote to just whoever's left every year yeah yeah and there's a bit of that this year. Like Mark Bergevin was a finalist uh, of the Montreal yes. Canadiens. Uh, Bill Zito was the other finalist from the Florida Panthers. Uh, so you still had uh, you had kind of a mix uh, of of them in this year's uh, nominees. But I think if you left it any later, you would just have for sure three of the final four uh, managers because the two guys sure. in the final would be would be nominees. That's just if you oh. wanted an answer. No, I thought I, I'd give you an answer. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, Thank you. This is a, a case where he's, he went with uh, the unique tandem, and, and that's that's become a staple of, of Barry Trotz, uh, is going with a tandem. That's going back to Washington uh, and then ca- carrying over with the New York Islanders. So they've got Sorokin and Varlamov who have uh, done the goaltending, but it was the, the acquisitions of Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac when he went early when Lou Lamorello went in early and picked up those players uh, that seems to have uh, put this team over the top and then subsequently uh, allowed him to win the Jim Gregory General Manager of the Year Award. Yeah, I, I think that that's kind of the key for me in terms of, of Lou Lamorello and and how he approaches the deadline in general by, by going out there and kind of identifying the player or players that he wants that he thinks will help this team and then making sure that you get into a situation where you get those players into your organization and get them acclimated um, for a little bit longer than just the trade deadline because it takes time for players to really get comfortable and you're starting to see why Lou Lamarillo does that and, and how it's paying dividends now. Amazing. He's gone on to win two General Manager of the Year awards and uh, what's happened in Toronto. And that that's just going to be a fact of life that you're going to compare those two situations that Toronto passed over Lou and gave the job to Kyle Dubas. And uh, Lou Lamorella has gone on to great success with the, with the New York Islanders. Uh, the New York Islanders, by the way, trying to stay alive tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning, of course, a Game 7 uh, against the reigning Stanley Cup champions and, uh, and push the series a game longer than it went a year ago. Yeah, a year ago in the bubble, yep. the Islanders lost Game 6 in overtime to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, there's good news for the Isles. Matthew Barzell will be able to play. He was uh, fined $5,000 by the NHL Department of Player Safety for that uh, cross-check against Jan Ruda uh, the other night in the Game 5 trouncing uh, by the Tampa Bay Lightning over the Islanders. So no suspension coming through uh, for Matthew Barzell. 
Yeah, I, I'm not necessarily surprised by that. I just I kind of had the idea that he was he was going to be fine and that he'd play in game number six. So um, that's essentially what I imagined was going to happen. Really, there wasn't any part of you that thought because it. I thought it was okay at the start, like okay is in not a mm -hmm. big thing. And then the more I watched yep. it, and uh, and it, it was an eight nothing game. So there was a lot of opportunity yep. to to revisit that uh, during the course of yes. that that yes. third period uh, during the during the broadcast. The more I watched it, the more I thought he, he might get a game, and it started kind of thinking about how wouldn't you feel terrible? And that Matthew Barzell uh, won't do that again. Uh, put himself because uh, I'm sure it was a pretty sleepless night uh, for himself. Never mind uh, his teammates. I wonder whether he could be be uh, called on the carpet for a game. So uh, I'm glad he's not. I, I'm glad that the New York Islanders will have their uh, arguably their best forward, uh, most dynamic forward in the lineup tonight uh, for a, a must win. Yeah, I I think it's you know it, again I, there was part of me that felt like it was you know the the hit the play in question. It's certainly a bad look for Matt Barzell, but um, I think you can kind of make the argument that that that's something that goes a bit awry on Barzell. He should just kind of stay low with his stick, and he doesn't. And um, not many of those altercations that he's had throughout his career. So, um, you know, I, again, I, I imagined that it was going to be a, a fine. I didn't think it was going to be a suspension. And watch Matt Barzell score the game-winning goal tonight because yeah. that would just be too funny. You know, they were speculating in the broadcast uh, because uh, Ruta hadn't returned in the third period because yeah. the play took yeah. place right at the end of the second period and i was thinking to myself well it's like 12 nothing why would why would you ever bring ruda back why wouldn't you keep him even if he's if he's not hurt why would you send him out there give the impression that he is hurt and hopefully influence yeah. uh player safety uh with that and and try and get a suspension so uh just one of those things uh i'm doesn't, I haven't read much uh, on Ruta, but I think he's going to be okay to uh, to play. Uh, Daniel Sedin and Henrik Sedin today were named special advisors to the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. Thoughts? Um, like, okay, so you get fan favorites into a pseudo-management role, and I think you can kind of play this to to reinvigorate the fan base. So I like it from that perspective. Um, and I also like the idea that if the Sedins want to move on to more important roles within management, there's going to need to be a learning curve. You have to go into the back end of an organization to understand how the inner workings are, and, and then you can kind of progress and move forward. I think that this is something that if you play it right – could be very good for the Vancouver Canucks. And I like the fact that the Sedins are behind the scenes learning the ins and outs of hockey management before they jump into something where they're making a ton of decisions. This is what Jim Benning had to say about their role, the Sedins' role. They're going to be involved in all the different aspects, from team building, talking about the types of players we want, what we want the team to look like. They'll be part of pro scouting meetings, going to the expansion draft, and be part of our free agent meetings when we talk about free agents or adding players to our group. They're going to be involved. That sounds a lot like the general manager's job. <laughs> Am I wrong? Well, no, you're you're not. You're not at all. But, I mean, like, listen, if you're a free agent on the market, 
and you've got to make a decision between Vancouver and Vegas. Like, what's going to sway you? Perhaps it's going to be Henrik and uh, Daniel Sedin. Perhaps. Probably not, but perhaps. Hmm. Be like, um, uh, you know, the like the angel on one shoulder, the devil on the other. Uh, when they disagree, you don't know who who to who to listen to. You really want that piece of cake, but you you really want that player, but you don't want the player. You want anyway. Uh, one uh, one more thing. Uh, Carl Gunnarsson retires. Uh, he won a Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, he has. Uh, uh, hung them up, and Rennie Robert uh, has uh, passed away. He was part of the French Connection line with the Buffalo Sabres, scored 40 goals twice uh, in 12 NHL seasons. Rennie Robert passing away, he was 72. Yeah, just uh, a bummer to kind of get that news and, and see it. And um, I, I've got family that uh, obviously is very much in tune with Buffalo area sports as they are from that area, and they, they love the French Connection. They love the Buffalo Sabres, and it's a sad, sad day for sure. Uh, thoughts go out to uh, Rennie Robert's family, part of the French Connection line of the 1970s with the Buffalo Sabres. Those are your one-timers for this, what is it, Wednesday, uh, June on Fox Sports Las Vegas.